Okay, like I said, we'll be in John chapter 1 today. And then in the very beginning of John's Gospel, he introduces Jesus as the Word. So John 1.1 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We, we notice immediately that this name, the Word, is really important, right? Anytime anything is repeated, it's important. Three times, first verse, there's a name. It's the Word. It's supposed to make us pause and ask ourselves the question, what's the significance of that? In Bible history and even currently, God is often perceived as untouchable or otherworldly. He's invisible. Sometimes that's hard for us, but the reality of his vastness, his other thanness, his immensity, his bigness, he could be no other way. We can't even comprehend. And so therefore, because of this vastness and this untouchableness and this, this distance, his holiness requires, it's necessary to provide a link between who the Lord is in spirit and His earthly creation. God's there, we're here. There's a necessary connection. Something to link the physical with the spiritual. And the Bible describes this linking as the Word. You with me? While for us, this name may initially be a little perplexing and requires some digging... The original Hebrew or Greek listeners, it would have proven to be much more common. Hebrews were familiar with this idea of the Word. Many times this name, the Word, this phrase, was the means by which God communicated or made Himself manifest, made Himself known or seen to the Hebrew people. So for instance, in Psalm 33, 6, the psalmist says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were created. Or Psalm 107.20, He sent out His word and He healed them. Psalm 147, He sends out His command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He sends out His word. He declares His word to Jacob. This is the link between God Himself and His people. He sends His words his word to them. There's a thought in the mind of God. He wants people to know it. And he sends his word so that people could understand his mind. It's good. Isaiah says, my word goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. It shall accomplish that which I purpose. It shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. This is the word of the Lord. So to the Hebrews, God the Father, spiritual, involved Himself in His creation, physical, by His Word. And so the Greeks would have also been familiar with this use of the Word. Their, their term, their phrase was logos. 
which is the word that John actually uses, and he does that on purpose. It means ultimate reason or rationale of the universe. And so when the Greeks heard the word used as a name, they were awake in anticipation. This isn't just a rationale or an ultimate reason. It's being used as a name for a person. They're anticipating, they're prepared for the ultimate meaning of their existence. And it's going to be wrapped up in a person through whom who would tell him who they were. You with me? And so therefore, by using the name, the word, as John introduces Jesus, he introduces them to both Hebrew and Gentile. The entire world is introduced to the word. The entire world, the world that God so loved, is introduced to the Word in the first sentence of John's Gospel. Jesus is God Himself manifesting in a person. This is John's message. And by using this name, the Word, three times, John is literally saying, world, behold your king. He's here. Let me try to illustrate. Here are my words. Solid metal base to keep it from dangerous toppling. Decorative vines and leaves wrapped around the base and mainstay. Sturdy metal bracing to cradle a stained glass shade. Internal conduit to carry electricity from a source to the bulb. A pole chain turns it on. The light shines through the glass covered with its multifaceted colors and shapes. It emanates light for both aesthetic reasons and practical. Color and texture to bring beauty and light for the need of seeing. See, those are my words. That's my word. You see it? I gave you my words, then I give you my word. In similar fashion, Jesus is all of God's words, manifested, given to us. I send you my word, then I send you the word. You see the difference? This is God Himself. Coming to us. The truth of God brought into tangible existence. And so the author of Hebrews said it this way, long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke through our, to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us through His Son. Or as John will later say, the Word became tangible and He dwelt among us. God's words became real 
and he set his tent in our camp. We need to see that the Apostle John is working really hard to communicate two essential truths. And I'm going to get to those truths right after I pick this bag up because it's driving me nuts laying here. So I'm going to give this to Kevin. You can rustle around with it. Shh! (laughs) Thanks, brother. So here's these two essential truths that John is working really hard for us to know. Here's the first one. Jesus is God. This is the foundation for John's gospel. The call of John's gospel is to believe. Believe what? Believe that Jesus is God. With no shadow of doubt, John is revealing Jesus as God. The Jehovah's Witness make a fatal mistake here. In particular, in this verse, rather than reading the word was God, they add an article, a, in between there, and they translate it this way. The word was a God. The problem is, even if you change that article, the context doesn't change. This entire First part of John's book is all about the reality that Jesus is God. Change the article, but you'll have to, you'll have to mess around with it too much to change the entire context, right? Then you know where you're meddling. You can't change the entire context. The whole context says Jesus himself is God. You cannot avoid it in John's gospel. So he begins He starts, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He is setting, again, beyond no shadow of doubt that Jesus is God. He begins that way, and then he ends the section in the same way. Look at chapter 1, verse 18. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. It's unmistakable. The message paraphrases it this way. No one has ever seen God, not so much as of a glimpse, but this one-of-a-kind God expression who exists at the very heart of the Father, He has made Him plain as day. So John starts with Jesus is God, and he finishes the section with Jesus is God. So this is the first of two essential truths. Jesus is God. And John's appeal is, receive Him as so. Receive Him as the Sovereign One. Receive Him as the Preeminent One. Church, behold your King. Receive Him as such. That's the first essential truth that John is making. The second essential truth that John makes in this first chapter is this, that Jesus' Jesus's arrival is as cataclysmically transformative as the creation of the original universe. When Jesus entered the universe as God, it was... I've tried all kinds of words in here, church. Super cadre fragilistic came to mind. That's not a real one. Cataclysmic, 
life-changing is, is too subtle. When Jesus entered the universe as God, it was as cataclysmic, revolutionary, as when the universe itself was created. And that, that, that's the reason that John parallels the language of Genesis 1 in the opening of his gospel. So if you're not familiar with that, let's just, let's take a look here real quick. So in Genesis 1, Genesis 1-1 reads, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was all over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And John says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. Genesis 1-3. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and He separated the light from the darkness. When God speaks, when His Word comes, light and darkness get separated. And so John says, In Him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines and the darkness has not overcome it. When God arrives, light is separated from dark. I put those in your notes. I hope you'll take some time just to compare those two things and realize what John is doing here. Jesus is God, and the fact that He has arrived is like an explosion. And it is through these two essential truths that Jesus is God and that His arrival is radically transformative that John wants us to see the rest of his gospel. And the whole rest of his gospel is, believe it. Receive your king. Behold this reality, that he's God, and when he enters places, everything changes. And so both the Apostle John and <clears throat> John the Baptist have the very same message. Behold your king. So verse 6, John introduces John the Baptist who shares his same message. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. So John the Baptist lays the groundwork and testifies that Jesus is God. And not just here in verse 6, but also in verse 15. Look at verse 15. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. This is John's 
message, John the Baptist's message. He's affirming Jesus is the Word. He is God. He is the One. He is the Messiah. And John captures the Baptist's message in his Gospel. And yet, despite all of this, there are still those who do not receive Jesus as God, as his, as their king. So if we go down after John introduces the Baptist, look at verse 9. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, <clears throat> and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Notice that Jesus comes into the world, and the world did not receive him, but he also came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Later, we're going to see that this uh, rejection, we're going to see this rejection of Jesus with the Pharisees. I think this is in your notes. If not, you can write down John 18 or 8.13. The Pharisees say to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. But we've just seen that John the Baptist bore witness for Christ himself. The Pharisees knew that. It's why they had John put to death. Why they had him imprisoned. They didn't like him either. Well, you're bearing witness about yourself. Jesus doesn't even bother to get into that argument. He just says, and even if I do, it's still valid. But the point is that there's, in spite of all of this, that there's still that those that don't receive Him. And so here we see God is seeking people, like we talked about last week, and yet people are rejecting Him. When the Word comes to give life, and to provide light, there are those who don't receive Him as King, as Sovereign, as the preeminent One, as Supreme. And later in chapter 3, verse 19, we're actually going to be in this section next week, but we find out that the reason people do not receive Him is not lack of information, it's not lack of proof, It's because, chapter 3, verse 19, people loved the darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Why do people reject Christ as King? Because they love their own way. Why do I reject God as my sovereign in my life? Why do I choose to live by my feelings? over truth because I love the darkness rather than light. It's true. Why do I do things for my own pleasure that cause other people pain? Not because I don't have enough information. Not because I haven't been convinced. Not because of the way I grew up. Not because of the background or the way I was parented. Because I love darkness rather than light. It's why I reject God as my sovereign and my king. One commentary says, 
This is perhaps the saddest verse in all of Scripture. The very people that God created, those He chose, you belong to me. He sent them His Word. And now He sends them His Word. He created them for relationship. He came to them and He did not receive Him. And they did not receive Him. And again, the commentary says, perhaps the most sad verse in all of Scripture. But not all reject Him. There are those who do receive Him. Look at verse 12. Yet to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. John announces that God has come to us in Jesus. And this God arrival is more than life-changing. It's cataclysmic. And we said that John intends that we see his entire gospel through this lens. But even more than that, John expects that those who believe in Jesus, who receive him as their king, they will go from darkness to light. They will be cataclysmically changed. They will go from not children to children. Children born not of physical, but of spiritual. We belong to God. Church. I'm jealous for that thought to run itself so deeply into our hearts that we celebrate the birth of Christ so differently than we ever have before. Jesus is the sovereign one. And when he comes into our life, he separates darkness from light and he says, live for me. Your life will be radically different. Verse 16. For from his fullness, we have all, for from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. He is the Word of God. How do we apply this familiar Christmas story? Well, I think it's as simple and as profound as, as really seeking to apply these two main truths that John wants to press home to us. 
And the first thing is this. We receive Jesus as King. We receive Him as God all at once. In other words, you are God. You rule. You're supreme. You're preeminent. You speak your word, and I will do what you say. There's a point in everybody's life where they move from darkness to light. When the word comes, when God's word comes to us, there is a point where every one of us must go from darkness to light and say either no, I'm going to continue to do life my way or you are the preeminent one. You are God, king and sovereign. Do you see, do you see the difference, church? I'm trying to communicate this. I'm not sure. I'm not talking about lip service. I'm not talking about we grew up with this all of our lives. Jesus is God. Yes, we can say it. I'm talking about literally saying He is King. He is the Sovereign. He is the preeminent one over my life. And I do what He says. Anybody can say Jesus is God. But from the heart to say Jesus is God means you are the preeminent one. You are my King. You speak, I obey. That's what we do. And I do it out of love and gratitude and generosity. And it all flows out of here. You with me? The way we apply John's message to us is we receive Christ as King. And that's not lip service. It is life service that grows out of the fact He is the very Word of God that comes to us. I believe you, I receive you, I commit my life to you. And the question for us is, have I made Jesus my King? No, really. Have I made Him my Sovereign One? The Word of God made manifest and brought to me, have I said, you're in charge. You're good, you're kind, I follow you with a with a heart of love and gratitude. Have, that's the question for us. And then we seek to apply John's second main point. We receive Jesus as King every time He presents Himself to us. In other words, when He comes into our life... Light separates light from darkness. And that means every moment of our life is there and therefore after cataclysmically changed by that reality. We say, come as king. We receive him. We don't do what the Pharisees did and they play games with words and move their behaviors around and get their righteousness all in a row and they, they count their own righteousness but based on the things that they've done and how good of a person and how many rules they follow. And 
We're not doing that. We receive him as king. And when we receive him as king, he reveals the difference between life and death in our lives. Between sin and between righteousness. And so when the word comes to us, do we continue to cling to our way or do we receive him as king? And so the question for us today is not do, you, do we have enough information or do we have enough proof or do we have the right experiences or the right upbringing or the right circumstances or the right skin color or the right job or the right spouse or the right children. The question that we must ask ourselves is regardless of my circumstances, do I love darkness? Or do I love the light? He is my king. Will I receive him as such? And what will keep us from receiving him as such is if we love darkness. And so the Christmas hymn appeals to us. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king and let every heart prepare him room. So let's consider John's final verses as we think about this application. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man, but of God. For of His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. This first step, we receive Him as King. Grace upon grace. And our response to that is, you rule over all of my life. And we we receive Jesus as King every time He presents Himself to us. Father, may we, for those of us who have said, yes, we receive You. You are God And in your fullness, you have poured out grace upon grace to us. May we continue to receive you in love and allow you to make your home with us and for us to make our home with you, to abide with you, to let you reign over every square inch of who we are. That you would continue to become the center of our affections. And Father, if there are those here who have never professed You as King or Sovereign or never understood that it was more than just lip service, but a whole life commitment, if if there are those here that haven't, I just pray that You would meet them and that they would meet You and receive You as King and let their lives be cataclysmically changed by the Word of the living God. And so hear us, we pray. 
In the name of our King Christ, amen.